My name is Carl Anthony, and I work in the automotive industry in Detroit. Sometimes that work encompasses future vehicle technology, and that's what we talk about here, for the most part anyway. This is AutoVision News Radio. On June 29, 2023, just before July 4th weekend, the Haggerty Drivers Foundation released the Chrysler Turbine Car, Engineering a Revolution. The documentary, available for free on the Foundation's YouTube channel, captures the dynamic story behind the people who rewrote the rules of automotive design in America's jet age. That week, I was busy with meetings, strategy sessions, and then editorial work for both Automoblog and Autovision News. Even though I'm a car enthusiast, I still have a full-time job in the industry that requires a day-to-day grind. And sometimes when you're in the middle of all of that, you can temporarily lose your love for cars. With July 4th just around the corner, I knew it was going to take a little time off and I knew that I wanted to watch Haggerty's Chrysler Turbine Car documentary. I was counting on it to reignite my passion for the automobile. And wow, did it ever deliver. From ADAS to electrification, this is Autovision News Radio with Carl Anthony in Detroit, Michigan. Casey Maxson is the Senior Manager of Heritage at the Haggerty Drivers Foundation. As an automotive historian and photographer, Casey manages various aspects of the Foundation's programming, which consists of three core elements. Anything that celebrates automotive culture, anything that funds research on the environmental implications and the economic impact of collector vehicles, and any initiatives that seek to build up the next generation of enthusiasts. Casey helped develop and now oversees the National Historic Vehicle Register. Launched in 2014, the Register program, administered by the Haggerty Drivers Foundation in partnership with the Department of the Interior's Heritage Documentation Programs, ensures that the history of notable cars lives on for generations to come. The Foundation is really passionate about making sure that the next generation has access to carpool culture that understands it, that we preserve the rich legacy and all these stories, you know, like the Chrysler Turbine car or the fabulous Hudson Hornet, that they live on in perpetuity, that 100, 200, 300 years from now, there's a record of these cars. We've done it as a country. We have a number of important programs at the federal level to document historic buildings, but we've never really as a nation had a kind of a systematic approach to documenting our automotive history. You know, there's we have this wonderful hobby for old cars um, where we have thousands and millions of enthusiasts out there that are, are saving these cars. But to actually create a, a lasting register or a lasting record of these cars hadn't been done until we came along in 2014. And it's part of Haggerty's overarching mission to save driving and really fits in with what we're doing to make sure that the next generation has access to these old cars and to the story of the automobile in America. I mentioned a moment ago the Chrysler Turbine Car, the documentary that debuted in late June of 2023. Less than a month later, the Haggerty Drivers Foundation released the fabulous Hudson Hornet, which showcases how this engineering marvel of a car dominated the early years of American stock car racing. I will leave links in the show notes to both of those documentaries, which are available for free, on the Haggerty Drivers Foundation YouTube channel. As Casey explains, the foundation is leveraging the platforms provided by the Library of Congress and YouTube 
to preserve automotive history. What we're doing is we take these cars that are significant to the story of the automobile in American history or American pop culture, and we record those in, in a number of ways. So we do laser scans of the car's shape, and we create measured drawings from those. We do highly detailed photography. We research and create reports and put those in the Library of Congress that kind of are a dossier of the vehicle's history and provenance, former owners, why it's significant and why people should care about it 50 years from now. And then in doing all of that work, we're, we're recording oral histories with the people that built the cars, the people that designed them, engineered them, or like the turbine car, they took them around the country. And we meet with those folks and we preserve their story and their legacy. And that all goes into the Library of Congress or through these documentaries, these YouTube videos that we put out there. You know, we kind of consider YouTube to be a, another, another form of the Library of Congress per se, right? Like the Library of Congress is this place that has all of this content and all of this the rich history of America that's out there available to the public for free. And YouTube enables us to do the same thing and reach a completely different audience. And so long ago, when we started looking at how we could save automotive history and present it to the people in a really easy fashion, we identified YouTube from the beginning. And, sure. and if you look at our channel, we have videos back from 2012, before we even started doing the National Register program, ways to just highlight and tell the story of different cars. And so right. we love these long-form documentaries because they make such an impact. The Hudson Hornet in Haggerty's documentary was inducted into the National Historic Vehicle Register in 2022 as the only remaining factory racing Hornet. And it's a miracle that it survived when you watch the documentary. Michigan collector Al Schultz owns it, although its forever home is at the Ypsilanti Automotive Heritage Museum in Ypsilanti, Michigan. There are some heartfelt scenes in the documentary with Schultz's grandson, Alan, who is on the autism spectrum. I have two nephews, Aiden and Carson, who are on the autism spectrum, and both have grown up so fast to the point where they're both taller than me now. And like Alan, my nephews have thoroughly enjoyed the movie Cars over the years, famous for its Doc Hudson character voiced by the late Paul Newman. In The Fabulous Hudson Hornet, Haggerty's filmmakers introduce us to young Alan on the autism spectrum and his mother and share the inspiration behind why the elder Al simply had to own the car when he first saw it. And then we come to Mark Olson, whose family was selected in 1965 to drive a Chrysler turbine car for several months during the combined engineering trial and marketing blitz behind the car in the 1960s. Olson was 16 at the time and was, in his words, a loner and a geek. Didn't really fit in in school, but he loved cars. Around the 44-minute mark in the Chrysler Turbine Car documentary, Haggerty's filmmakers give Olson a patch of road to open up and share his story. He is such a wonderful person, and the impact that this car made on his life is, I mean, it's what we're all about. It's yeah. showing that it's more than just sheet metal and engineering. Right. It's the human story and it's the way these cars impact our lives. And Mark is such a great example of that. You know, here's a guy, here's a young guy that this car came into his life and just changed his world. It changed mm -hmm. his perspective. It changed who he was. And he has this amazing story and what he's done to save that story to this day. If you go on his website, turbinecar.com, 
And a lot of that he did in honor of his father because he had such a great relationship and an amazing relationship with his father. And he wanted to make sure that, you know, his father enabled him to have this great experience with this car and taught him everything he knew about cars and allowed him to drive the turbine car when they had it as a family. Mark yeah. himself put a lot of miles on that car. Right. And he did. He's done so much to save that story. And it's just remarkable. See the link in the show notes to Mark Olson's website, TurbanCar.com. Along with the people behind the cars, documentary films released by the Haggerty Drivers Foundation do a wonderful job through archival footage showing what was happening in the United States at the time the car was in the public light. The Chrysler Turbine car only could have existed in the 1960s, right? Yeah. Like that, yeah. that would never have happened today where they just <laughs> loan out experimental technology from the major manufacturers with a one-page legal document. Right. And, and it's this kind of outgrowth of the jet age from the 50s and the car, while it's more subtle and subdued from some of the cars with fins and, you know, all the styling aspects of that era, it's still very much like the peak of jet age, right? And then, and then we see this car come out and it's right at the cusp of a major change with the autom automotive design and engineering of that time. And it's kind of maybe followed by the, all the muscle cars of the mid sixties. And, sure. and it's that shift, right? Which is really interesting. And then with the Hudson, I mean, you have so much going on with this as well as far as automotive history and the era that it came out of right you have the consolidation of the major manufacturers in the post-war era you have the boom of post-war car sales where like everybody kind of like today you know we think of after covid everyone was so hungry to buy a new car sure. after world war ii it was the same thing people were just doing everything they could to get the latest and the greatest new car. And it was a race to see who could get their new car out there. And you had some of these manufacturers that were really struggling, the independents like Hudson or Nash, that were trying everything they could to have their stake of the market. At the same time, you have this new form of racing that's exploding, especially in the Southeast with stock car racing and, and the NASCAR organization just taking off. And the Hudson's right there this unexpected winner, this unexpected race car from a fairly conservative company that never thought they were going to build a race car. Danielle and I enjoy spending Saturdays at the Henry Ford Museum of American Innovation in Dearborn, Michigan. And what's really interesting when you walk through there is you see how certain aspects of American life grew out of the automobile. Things like roadside diners, fast food restaurants, drive-in movie theaters, and hotels. At the Henry Ford specifically, there is the Drive America exhibit. I'll leave a link in the show notes. But there are a number of things in that part of the museum that are culturally significant as far as the automobile goes. Last time Danielle and I were there, they actually had a complete Holiday Inn hotel room on display from the 1960s. I'm talking shag carpet, an old TV, rotary phone, and even an ice bucket by the sink. The country has been developed because of the automobile. The, the way that we live today is shaped by the automobile, every aspect of society. And, and that story hasn't been recorded in, in a systematic way that is done in kind of the same manner as other aspects of American heritage and American history. And so we think it's really crucial because of that, that we 
recognize that story. We recognize that impact. But these cars aren't just a utilitarian way of going from A to B. If you look back at at photos, historic photos and archives or family photo albums, what what will you see? You'll see a bunch of people taking pictures in front of their car. The passion that has come out of the automobile and, and what it has meant to people is huge. And telling the story of America, you can't tell that story without the automobile being in it. And so it is really important that we preserve that story, we recognize that story, and we keep that story alive for future generations. I really enjoyed taking driver's ed as a teenager. This was in the summer of 1997 in Northwest Iowa, where I grew up, and I was able to take it through my school. And I don't know why I remember this, but the car I was assigned to was a green Buick Skylark. I'm talking like incredible Hulk green. Like you put kale in a smoothie and painted the car with it. A green Buick Skylark. But prior to taking driver's ed, my father encouraged me to get a learner's permit, which meant that I could drive with him in the front seat before I turned 16. And in the months leading up to driver's ed, my dad taught me how to drive his Chevy truck, this big Chevy truck. So when I got in the green machine, the Buick Skylark, it was pretty easy for me to maneuver through the cones because my dad had taught me how to do all that in his big truck, parallel park, merge with traffic, drive at higher speeds, which in Iowa meant 55. Most of the speed limits were just 55 back then. And my dad was a complicated guy. He was a smart guy, had an MBA, was a college professor. So he's very smart, uh, but complicated, hard to read, and not always very patient. But for some reason, in the months leading up to the summer of 97, when we were driving, he was the most patient, gracious, and compassionate guy just behind the wheel of his Chevy truck as I was trying to figure out, you know, how to drive. And, and, and the stuff he taught me back then, I still use to this day as far as defensive driving goes. So it was a happy time for me, especially when we get done driving and then we'd stop at the Dairy Queen and we'd get food. And, and I just remember, I remember getting chocolate dip cones. So I have all these happy memories of driver's ed, but driver's ed looks differently today than it did in the late 90s, and that is part of the inspiration behind the Foundation's License to the Future initiative. We talk a lot about saving the story. That's mm-hmm. what the documentaries are all about. That's what the National Register is all about. But we also want to make sure that we provide access and we, we provide a way to get young people in and keep them in the hobby in the future. And so we have a number of programs that we administer to, to help do just that, one of which is the License to the Future program, where we give grants to young people that are looking to get their driver's license. Probably you, myself, when I was a kid, you could get your driver's license and driver's training through your school. Yes. These yes. days, that's that's not quite the case. We're finding out that most places, schools no longer offer any sort of driver's education, and it's done through private companies. And, and it's expensive, anywhere from 200 to to $1,000 to get driver's education. And so we want to make sure that people have access to that, They have access to driver's training so that we have safe drivers out there on the road. This year alone, we will have given out, once once all is said and done, around 300 grants to young people to to learn how to drive. Likewise, the Haggerty Drivers Foundation provides scholarships and grants to young people, including a young guy named Casey Maxson, not all that long ago. For years now, decades, the Haggerty company has given scholarships and been very mindful of helping to ensure that the trades continue, that there are people long into the future that can work on these cars that have an outlet. You know, if you're really interested and passionate about 
restoring, preserving these old cars, that there's access to training and schools that, that can offer that. And so we have given out scholarships now for quite some time and the Haggerty Drivers Foundation is continuing that work. Myself, I was a recipient long before I was an employee of the foundation when I was really? in school. I, I received scholarship funding from what was then the Collectors Foundation. There are folks in this, in this hobby that want to pass the torch. And that encourages me to do the same now through my career. See the links in the show notes to learn more about the Haggerty Drivers Foundation and Mark Olson's story. One night after work, take time to reignite your passion for cars and driving by watching the Chrysler Turbine Car and Hudson Hornet documentaries. Links in the show notes as well. AutoVision News Radio is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and more. In Detroit, alongside Casey Maxson, I'm Carl Anthony, AutoVision News Radio.